Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and the Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. All right, Bob DePiro. What else can I say? Unreal writer, giver, encourager, mentor, and the best guitar player in his price range. This guy helped me get going. I listen to him. I look up to him. I love him. Ladies and gents, the icon, Bobby D. All right, this is Thinking and Drinking. I got uh, one of my biggest heroes, one of the cats I look up to the most in the world, uh, Bob DePiro here today. Hi, Bobby D. How are you, Bart Allman? Dude, I am. I'm better now. Thank you Me very too. much. Me too. Dude, thank you so much for doing this. And, uh, well, I'll get into what else I owe you thanks for. But Well. Well. You know. Well. It is what it is. <laughs> no, man, thanks for being such a friend over the years. Oh, man. Thank you. I guess I could start. I, I, do you know? remember the story of how we wrote the very first time? Yes. But uh, let me hear what you have to Are you talking about Can't Take the Girl? Yes. Take the girl out of the honky-tonk, but you can't take the honky-tonk out of the girl. Uh, well, I seem to remember meeting you through Jeffrey Steele. Okay. Am I... Am I right? I don't know. Sort of. The very first time we met was at the W4 Country Hoedown in Detroit. Oh, God. That was back when I think you were still out playing with Pam. Oh, man. That's many lost brain cells ago. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. But I was at – that's – I know that's true what you said, but I remember being at – uh, the Tin Roof one afternoon, and I bumped in to Jamie Austin okay. and Rachel Atkins, your old assistant. Right. And they said, what are you trying to do? And I'd never met Rachel. And I said, well, I'm out of record promotion, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stab at writing songs. And they said, well, who would you want to write with if you could write with anybody? And I said, ah, man, I guess Pipe Dream would be Bob DiPiro. And Rachel just lit up, and she said... I think I can make that happen. And oh, man, it so was, it was Rachel. Yeah. Wow. And then it was over at... Uh, where the old love... Uh, no, where the little big town yes. used to be, where yep. our publishing company used to yep. be. Yeah. So... Yeah. Oh, I remember that. We By that time, I, had, I was upstairs in that building. I had moved downstairs yes. in the big office, and uh, I remember you coming in. And uh, <laughs> I remember I had just gone to see that movie, uh, Sweet, Sweet Home, Home Alabama, yep. that had uh, Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon in it. Yep. And I, I was watching the movie and I was kind of hating it. It was like <laughs> all these terrible uh, country, I don't know what you call them. Bad cliches. Cliches a la mode. <laughs> I was just about to leave, you know, and and one of the characters in the movie was talking about Reese's character, and she said, uh, 
well, you can take the girl out of the honky-tonk, but you can't take the honky-tonk out of the girl. And I thought, mm, all right. And, you know, you file stuff away. Yep. Just file away. And luckily, we were writing that Man, next day. I'm so thankful for that. And uh, boom, there it was. It was just, uh, I remember the session being nothing but fun. If the two of us are not having fun, something <laughs> is wrong. Yes. Something is deathly wrong. So I remember just having fun. I remember the song coming fast. Yeah. And uh, well, you whipped out that Stonesy riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were off to the races. Yeah, that was awesome. Son of Keith Richards. (laughs) (laughs) Every time we see that movie on TV, Amy and I look at the TV and just genuflect (laughs) quick, and then change the channel, and off we go. Oh yes, oh yes. Well, let me read a a grocery list of you. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but this is what I had at the time. It's probably more now, but over 50 singles, at least 16 number ones. You've had two triple play awards, which are three number ones in a year. Over 50 million spins of your songs, which if you spin them back to back to back, it would take 250 years to to reach 50 million. 2001 BMI Writer of the Year. 2007 Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. 2007 Nashville Walk of Fame, CMA Chairman's Award, over 17 BMI Millionaire Awards, which means 17, which means 1 million plays per award, and you just got the BMI Icon Award, which there's a couple of nobodies in here like Haggard and Ray Davies, Stevie Nicks, Mariah Carey, Charlie Daniels, you know, just a couple of slugs in there, a couple of lightweights. So, what do you, what do you, what goes through your head when it, when it's all? I mean, I know you've been here for all of that, but when it's all just pow, 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 what do you, what, what does that do to you? What do you think about that? Uh, it, it's, uh, it's hard to take in. Yeah. You know, because in my mind, I think what's helped me continue to write is I'm still that 18-year-old whacked-out musician-songwriter that just hasn't had anything going on, and I'm just I'm just hungry for it. Yeah. You know? and, and when I hear that uh, list of things, it's, uh, <laughs> I, it's still hard for me to walk around it. But I remember going to a concert once. Actually, I was in this band. We opened a show for the Mahavishnu Orchestra. Nice. I tell you how long ago that was. And John McLaughlin, the guitar player at the time, was one of my heroes. You oh, know? dude. And uh, I remember at the sound check, I'm going, I got a chance to talk to John. I said, John, you were one of my heroes. You were one of the most inventive, <laughs> passionate, uh, mind boggling guitarists I've ever heard. And in this fake French accent, he said, well, how can I deny it when I know that it is true? (laughs) It's like a joke, you know? So I'm using his line, how can I deny this when I know it's true? (laughs) I'm just mostly, uh, you know, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. um, And I really feel like this is what 
I'm here to do. Yeah. On this planet, I'm here to make music and yeah. to, and to write songs and to uh, bring a little happiness into people's worlds. You oh, know? dude. I mean, that's and I'm just happy that I've been able to do it. You know, and and false modesty is no, no, it's probably about as bad as raging ego <laughs> whack out level you know but uh it's it's been an amazing trip and it feels like it's been about two years worth yeah you know it yeah. flies well it flies it's, by man it's taken you all over the world it's, it's introduced you to some of the biggest i mean the list of people you've written with is unbelievable but also I think you're also a great mentor. You know, I mean, you're very patient and giving with your time, and you'll take a, a scrub like me and and teach us how to write, essentially, you know? I mean, and it's just like keep batting, keep batting, keep batting, and, and eventually it's, it either works or it doesn't. And, man, you've been a, a great testimony to what can happen. I mean, you just keep working. Well, yeah, and uh, uh, I do. And my wife, Leslie, says, why are you keep working? I mean, what else do you have to prove? Right. I mean, if you haven't proven what you set out to do, you're screwed. Right. You know, but it's honestly, man, it's just a, a joy. Yeah. You know, on the good days, it's unbeatable. Right. That feeling of just having finished a song that you don't know what's going to happen with it. But oh, man. I know it. it, it Turned my bells on and it, it rang my bells. It's hard to beat that feeling. And the thing also to me is that if you finish a song at three at nine a.m., that song wasn't there. Oh yeah, it's it, that you just birthed this brand new baby song. And it's, it's, like, it's making something out of nothing. And again, I can only speak from my experience and what I've felt and what I've encountered but it's like that with me and and I know writers and I'm sure so do you know writers that are more like song scientists yeah where they've kind of figured out and to great effect and financial <laughs> yes. money and all this stuff how a song kind of works, and it's almost—it's—it is. It's like a mathematical formula, you know. And, yeah. And I've done that, and I—I I do everything, but I try to be uh, what Keith Richards said in his book. I just try to be an antenna. Yeah. You just stick it up there, and some days you don't—you get static. Some days, <laughs> some days you get broken. You know, you get broken. Songs coming through. Some days, some days you go to the moon. Some days you go to the moon, and yep. so uh, you know, I just enjoy the process. I, I still do. That's also um, any creative people, whether they're writers or or photographers or whatever. I think we all live a little bit closer to our emotions than a lot of people do. And does that? I mean, do you still write every day? No, 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 no. no. Uh, I try to keep it to about 
three times a week. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I used to just, oh, I'm booked six months in advance. Oh, yeah. I'm booked nine months ahead. And I didn't allow any breathing time right. in there, you know. So I, I try to I try to just write on the days I feel more uh, awake, <laughs> more sure. in, uh, in the space of wanting to write fresh. Uh, and the five, six, seven days a week thing doesn't work for me now. Yeah. You know, it's better for me to to really think about who I'm writing with. I mean, in the past, I would just, hey, where are you from? You from the, just got off the bus? Come on in, let's write. Yeah. You know? And it's not to say that I still don't do that, but I just want to make sure that uh, I'm writing to the best of my ability whenever I do sit down to write. Yeah. So well, you- I don't do that every but i'm but i did yeah you know there's a point in time where well that's exactly what you're supposed to do oh man you're supposed to write two three times a day you're supposed to just hit it and hit it and then hit it some more you know that's that's the path yeah you know and and then that path will change as you go through if you are as fortunate as I've been to go through a long career. Oh man, yeah. That path changes and winds, and it's just like, okay, well, all right. This is now. This is 2018. This isn't 1998 or yeah. 2008. So, what's the path now? What What am I doing now? Where should I place my feet? You know. Yeah. So things change. It's it, every day is. Another, uh, what is the road? Every day is a winding road. road. There it is. Yep. So you've you mentioned Keith Richards a couple of times. You mentioned opening for Mahavishnu Orchestra and obviously Youngstown, Ohio. Youngstown, Ohio. Grew up playing rock and roll. Rock and roll was all I knew. Does that still influence your writing? I mean, I mentioned the the Stonesy kind of riff in our song. Does that still influence? Oh your yeah, it still does. You know, because it's what you came up. It's what I came up playing. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm like a lot of folks who've come to Nashville. Uh, you know, I'm not from the South. I always say I wasn't born in the South, but I got here as soon as I could. <laughs> yeah. And we just kind of have had this. The, love affair ever since I got here. But, uh, yeah, my background was, was, was rock and roll. I, I didn't, I didn't have any background in country music. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of people now in 2018 going, Oh dude, like, uh, <laughs> who's Brooks and Dunn? Right. And I'm going, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not that long ago, but no, People are here now, and they don't know what came before them. Mm-mm. I think the only difference between me and maybe that writer in 2018 is I decided to look what came before me. Exactly. So I I went back. What did I miss? What did I yeah. miss? I missed Hank Williams. I missed Lefty Frizzell. I missed all this great Merle Haggard. I missed early Christopherson. I missed all this stuff. Dude. And, 
to me, it was just like yeah. a sponge. Yeah. And and that's kind of been the way I've been ever since. It is funny now when people look back and, oh, yeah, my dad used to like George Strait. Right. Like, what? Yeah. You've got to be – and there's nobody does any homework anymore. And nobody – I remember uh, when I was in record promotion, do you remember Wade Jessen from mm-hmm. Billboard? He gave yep. me a Carter Family box set. And so I was listening to the Carter family in my office. I just barely had it on. And I was listening to this, or I was talking to this radio station, and he said, who are you listening to in the background? I said, that's the Carter family. He goes, oh, yeah, man, Jimmy Carter, man. He's a good president. Wasn't he? I was like, <laughs> dude, you really, you need to. I go, you know what? I'm not going to call you next week, but I'm going to call you the week after, and I want I want you to tell me about the Carter family. And he called me about three days later going, holy crap, I had no idea. I'd never gone back and done any of that homework. And I said, you know, I mean, looking at the music on the radio, you don't have to know that. But I said, it, why wouldn't you want to know that? It's great. Yeah, great and you know, it's like, I, it's like I said earlier, this is, all these things I'm saying are my impressions based on yeah. what I've encountered in my career and you're right you don't have to do that yeah i mean i remember a new act coming to town that is now really successful and i'm writing with them and i go you know it's kind of like and i made some country reference and they went look we're originally uh pop hip-hop artists <laughs> and i don't know who you're talking about i said okay well all right well then let's let's do this Okay. You know, but so yeah, it what works, whatever works for you is is what <laughs> works. But I'm just uh, I'm glad I have that background, and I'll I'll point to somebody who's an amazing uh, well of of uh, information and history, and that's Red Akins. Oh yeah, and Red, of course, is one of the very yeah one percent of the hit songwriters yeah. right now. But he has an encyclopedic knowledge of old country, old rock, oh man, hair metal, yep. stones, uh, pre fifties country. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. He's got all those songs under his fingers, and that can't help but make you a better writer. Absolutely, it cannot help but make you a better writer. Man, we used to sit. Every time we ever bumped into each other, we would immediately go into 80s hair metal and try to play Stump the Band, and it would go on for hours. Oh, yeah. It's like, and he can do that in so many formats. It's it's crazy. So, changing subject a little bit, you moved to Nashville in 1979? Yes. Why did you come to Nashville? I mean, I know it was music, but why didn't you go L.A. or New York I mean, or Chicago? I mean, if you're from Ohio well, or Detroit. I always joke that I I didn't move to L.A. because I knew my car wouldn't make it to L.A. Because <laughs> I had this beater of a of an old, I think it was a Datsun, <laughs> you know, uh, which was probably true, you know. But yeah. I had, a couple years before I decided to make the move, I'd gone to New York. I was in a band and we were searching for a record deal and blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, at the time, and to me, as a Midwest boy who'd never really been out of Youngstown, Ohio, which was about at the time of maybe 100,000 people, it just was overwhelming. Yeah. 
it just was, it overwhelmed me and I couldn't see myself <sighs> living there, you know? And to me, LA was kind of like this, uh, magic land far away you know? yeah I, I loved the music that was coming out of there you know I, I loved everything that was coming out of there but i had some friends who were breaking in as songwriters and they had moved to nashville and they invited me to come down and and visit them and i did and uh there was just this immediate attraction not as much to the music scene, but to Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. You know, I'm, when I got here, I was, I would just, I was taking everything in, you know, I'm going, you know, I could live here. I, I could live here. It's, 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 and that's, it's a, it's a bigger town, but it still feels like a, a small town. And it's a little big town, yeah. which is how I named my publishing company, which later our friends in the little big town decided was a good idea for their band, and and that's how that happened. Think but but I, it was just this immediacy, and then I started slowly meeting these musicians and yeah. songwriters, and I'm going, wow, I'm here, I'm home. All I have to do is learn this language, yeah, which was not easy. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, I mean— 79 moved down. I mean, you had your first number one in 83 with the Oak Ridge Boys. So there's four years there, three and a half years or whatever. I mean, did you just try to to write with anybody you could? I mean, obviously, I mean, I think sometimes your writing is so good and so prolific and so successful. I think your guitar playing gets overlooked a lot. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that know how great a guitar player you really are did your did that help you when you came down here the fact that you could get in any room you got in you were already be able to play anything they threw uh, at you of course yeah it, it really did help me and uh when i first moved to nashville i did not have this great focus plan i just wanted to be in the music business mm -hmm. and whatever that meant am i going to be a session player? Am I going to play in a band? Am I going to be a songwriter? Uh, and so I did a little bit of all that. You know, I, I started playing some sessions, and uh, I always mess around with bands because that's my background. Yeah. But I found that as time went on, that the thing that was getting the biggest attention were my songs. And so I did make that conscious effort to go, okay, well, I'm going to focus on songs. But, of course, being a musician and being a songwriter and, and, and being a guitar player, uh, it, a proficiency can't but help Absolutely. a songwriter. Yeah. I, at least I think. And you don't need to know everything there is to know in, sure. on a guitar because there's endless things to know. Yeah. But, but you're always the best guitar player in the room. <laughs> but and you know, that. when I'm writing, my guitar playing takes such a oh, backseat. Sure. I'm just trying to get the song out, you yeah. know, and, and I might just be beating my guitar, flailing on it, because I'm not thinking <laughs> about my technique and watch this riff. And yeah. you know, it's like, what about the song? What about the song? So, uh, I can say that. 
my playing has definitely, definitely helped me. And yeah. any any songwriter out there, any track guy out there yeah. that has really come up uh, with his face in a video screen, your writing can only get better if you Absolutely. understand the workings of whatever, a guitar, yeah. a keyboard. You know, you'll only get better. Well, it sounds stupid, but it's going to be more musical. Well, you'd think so. And sometimes yeah. that's good. Yeah. And sometimes that's not well, good. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you can just, you can just mail bay yourself oh, right out of the song. <laughs> I've, I've been so guilty. Of, and, and you pointed out one day, you were, it was my session, and I think you and I had the, third song so you came to the studios down at garth's place and you were a little bit early so the second song was still getting cut and greg morrow came in and went yeah man that's awesome and i loved and and uh russ paul went, dude when that goes from the three to the five just like and you were just kind of quiet and then the next song got cut i'm sorry it was you and i were the fourth song okay. next song got cut and greg morrow comes in and lays his head on the console and goes what's next and you looked at me and you go that's the one that's going to get cut. And I asked you about that later, and you said, if you're writing for the band, you're writing way over the head of our listeners. And it's like, oh, that's so good. Instead of trying to be Steve Lukather all the time, I should try to just write a better song. And well, I mean, and I hear what you're saying, and uh, that's kind of, it's true most of the time. Yeah. I think... Uh, what are you trying to do? As a songwriter, I ask myself, what are you trying to do? And what I'm trying to do more than anything is communicate. Yeah. I am trying to communicate with these unseen people, these these listeners out there that I may probably will never meet. Right. But I want to communicate. I want to connect to them, you know? And so... I like to start with basic building blocks, you know, like I would say I write in primary colors, (laughs) green, red. There's not a lot of mauve and and puce and chartreuse (laughs) in there, you know, although I like those colors and I can if I want to. (laughs) But I like to start at a base that is understandable to the people I'm trying to communicate with. So yeah, you you know, you end up with a lot of one four fives and, sure. and that kind of thing, and that's not a bad thing. Do you ever I'm sure you did, but do you ever still now second guess? Oh sure. yeah. Absolutely. And I do that just because I'm a songwriter. Yeah. But I'm really uh I have to remind myself because I've been doing this for so long that sometimes that initial uh, burst of creativity, of searching and finding, is quite often the thing. Yeah. You know, you can second-guess yourself right out of a hit song easily. Yeah. You know, and there's a difference between a really cool song, a really hip song, and and a hit song and sometimes 
they can be all the above. Right. And that's the golden ring. Yeah. You know, but sometimes if you're trying to communicate, I want to reach people. Yeah. And I don't want to write over their head. I don't want to write under their heads. I want to write to them. And so, yeah, if that's a song that's going to get recorded, it probably did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a long time because... I remember my dad called me one time after I'd started writing and he goes, you know, how's it going? You writing with any good writers? And I'd, in the last two weeks, I'd written with you, Jeffrey Steele, Big Al Anderson, and Craig Wiseman. Duh. And I go, well, I just wrote with three BMI Writer of the Year and one ASCAP Writer of the Year. I said, my learning curve's pretty <laughs> steep, Dad. <laughs> but I got, it took me being... I had to try to get over being intimidated, even though I still was, with the old, I used to go, oh, how about, and I'd, I'd stop. You go, no, 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 man, tell me what you're thinking. And it might be a stupid idea, but that stupid idea may take you somewhere great. And it took me a long time to get over my fear of looking like an idiot and not going, if I look like an idiot, Bob's going to take it and we're going to, it's touchdown time. Well, yeah, I've always said in a songwriting session, dare to suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just dare to suck. Put it out there. Yeah. What you think is the most <laughs> stupid thing that has ever come out of your mouth might be exactly what you said, Bart. It might be, boy, that was really dumb. But yeah. what if right. we took that and did this and did that? Or, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You don't know. And so one of the things I do when I write is I don't try to self-edit myself yeah. when I'm right in the midst of forming an idea or putting together some music or f trying to find that thread of lyric that's going to maybe inspire the whole yeah. lyric lines of the song. You know, I just... I just don't try to edit myself. Yeah. Because I know what I like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what I like is way different because I am that nerd guitar player. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, and I had, to, and I, I've told people this and I'll tell it before. I, you know, I went to college and I, I, I didn't, I learned just enough <laughs> that it didn't affect my writing. <laughs> But I had this professor, and it was it was like some hippy dippy course, you know, back in the day. But he was a he was kind of an, a, a philosophy professor, you know, and and he said this thing that stuck to me till this very day. He says, "If you are a creative person, don't judge your art. Let hmm. others judge it for you. Just do it." And to me, that was like hmm. so free yeah it's like okay i'm just gonna do the work you know i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna do it to the best of my ability and i'm sure you've been there some songs you've written you think oh man this song is gonna cure cancer right <laughs> this is one of the <laughs> this is one of the golden scrolls <laughs> and people will listen to it and they'll go hmm all right, what else you got? Yeah, it didn't and, even cure lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it caused heartburn. Right. And then you'll write a song that is like, hmm, okay, well, next. 
Yeah. And that's the song people go, wow. And and so it's like, okay, I'm, I know what I like and I will always have my personal favorites, but I'm just going to do the work. Yeah. I, I'm focused on what I want to do, which is I want to connect. I want to connect with people. I want to write songs in a manner that ends up on the radio or now on Spotify or wherever so that people will connect with that song. So, yeah. okay, that's what I'm going to do. Hmm. Do you, and this is kind of dumb, but is it easier to write just you and me roll in here and just went to the movies this weekend, heard this line. Is that easier or more fun or is it more fun when – Little Big Town says, we want to come right with you, and we're looking for one more up-tempo for the record. Is there, do you have, I mean, that's probably getting closer to getting cut, but is there more fun or better or worse or either or that you like out of those two situations? Well, I mean, we're, you're asking me something that to me speaks of where we are right now Mm -hmm. as songwriters. Yeah as an industry. Uh, whereas in the past being like, let's say pre 2000 or 2010 even. Yeah. That someone like me and you or me and Rhett or Craig and you could come together as songwriters and write a great song. Yeah. And, it would work, but now this is once again my opinion. Um, we've become very fragmented, our community, and there's more. There are more camps than there than there are just this Absolutely. flow of "May the Best Song Win." So yes, I would prefer to write with the ultimate is a great artist who is also a great, great writer. writer yeah i mean that is because it's like when you do that at least to me it's like okay i'm a tailor and i'm gonna make you a suit but if you're not in the room i'm gonna guess but if you're in a room right it's gonna fit just right i can fit you you know where's yeah. your where's your sweet spot where's your vocal spot where are you what what do you say what don't you say you know <laughs> and i can get a lot closer to to you as the artist and whoever else might be in the room uh, so yeah i mean it's it's just when in rome yeah do as the romans do and now in 2018 it apparently, and quite true, that the track guy has become an integral oh, part of the songwriting process. Yeah. Uh, and so you take that into account and you go, okay, well, that's the coin of the realm. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's, yeah. let's do it. I'm in. You know, if you're good. Yeah. If you suck, see it. Yeah. Or if you think you're better than you really are, see it. Or if you're just unwi- unwilling to <laughs> yeah, but if walk you, on down the road. Right. But if you are, yeah. if you carry yourself and you carry your weight, come on. Bring it on. 
did the camp thing is is frustrating. My last publisher said, "Okay, here's what you need to do. You need to get on Little Big Town's bus. You need to write with them. You need to make sure that song gets demoed. You make sure that song gets cut, and then you need to try to help lobby to make sure that song." Gets to be a single, and I said, "And what are you doing?" Well, we're doing the paperwork. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, that's not quite. Yeah, well, not... I mean, that's a that's a subject with a oh that black could, hole, yeah, connected never, to yeah, it. you know, the publisher versus the songwriter. Oh, sure. And I've seen both both sides of that coin. Oh, yeah, publisher is a champion of a songwriter absolutely and just goes to the to the mattresses for yeah. that song and that song and i've seen publishers that would come right out and tell you look we're a bank yeah we give you money uh based on the fact that you're going to earn this back right this is our best guess so here's your money you can keep the lights on keep the groceries coming <laughs> yeah. good luck <laughs> and everything in between yeah that. everything in between that you yeah. know so uh, it's always to me it's always come down to me yeah but it always is so important to have be surrounded by good people absolutely by people that you trust by people that really get what you're doing and want to help you do that and sometimes those people just aren't available yeah to you at any given point in your career, you know, so you just have to keep moving forward uh, and and trying to find those those people in that team. I think it's really important to have that kind of yeah of team. I mean, I don't know that. I mean, I'm sure there are people who exist just on me, and here we are, and yeah, here's my song, and but it seems in 2018 that it takes a village <laughs> to, oh, God, I can't believe I quoted her. <laughs> but anyway, it's just the, the reality. Yeah. It's the realities. I mean, like, next week I have a ride coming up with Wynn Varble. Wow. Which I have been such a big fan of oh, yeah. for so long and for whatever reason, we've never written together. Never? Never. Wow. If we have. It was long time it ago. It was a long time ago. But I'm I'm looking forward to that as much as if uh, whoever, uh, Thomas Rhett was coming in. Yeah. As far as Thomas Rhett is extremely talented, he's got the voice, blah, 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 blah. He's a good songwriter. But Wynn is all of that. Yeah. But he's not. The, not the flavor of the month or whatever. Well, yeah, he's just not yeah. the celebrity. But his 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 work precedes him. You yeah. Know? So I don't know. We I've I've talked with people. Should we bring an artist in on this ride, or is that just going to screw it up? Or should we just like write the best song we write that day? And you know that's probably going to be as good as it yeah. can get. You know, but. <laughs> All those questions always circulate around that, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'm guessing there'll be some laughing going on that. Oh day. my God! Yeah, I, I've been I've been lucky enough to do some writer rounds with Vin. Oh with, man, with Win, and he's just like the best. 
<laughs> he is so funny and so fresh and so country, but so real and it's yeah. all that stuff that I love. Yeah. So, you know, and then the next three days I'm writing with artists. Yeah. And I'm excited for different reasons to sure. be able to write with those artists. Absolutely. I mean, I wrote with Caitlin Smith yesterday. Oh, yeah. Who your listeners might not be aware of yet, but she is this just amazing singer-songwriter artist that doesn't really fit into the country female artist mold. She's more of a true singer-songwriter, and I love writing with her, and we wrote some, we wrote a great song yesterday, and uh, it worked for me. I was thrilled. We we used the uh, the classic. We used the Keith Richards. Nice. Open, G, Open G, take the sixth string off. You know. You see. Oh, that's cool. You know, and just yeah, and we just had a great time writing that song. Now, I hope it's. Huge. I know I loved it. Yeah. Caitlin loved it, you know, and then it's once again, it's like I'm just doing the work. I know how I feel about that song. Right. But I'm doing the work. I'm doing the best job I can do in that moment. I think it's also weirdly exciting now to have, like you were saying, Spotify and stuff and all these other outlets that you may not have to have a top 10 on the oh, billboard no. chart to make some money or to make a career out of it. And it's really cool to be able to take a song like that. Like you say, it may not sound just like Carrie Underwood, but it's a great song. And here's a person who has an outlet and has a, a road to the highway. And so let's follow that, man. And I think that's exciting to be able to do that. Well, I mean, I think that... Once again, in 2018, I think the music is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's like any era of country music. There, There's always going to be crap. Sure. There's always going to be sound-alikes. Oh, well, this guy is him with a different kind of hat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the music is pretty much the same. Yeah. The, the lyric content is the same. It's working. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, but then there are those... Those those lights, you know, like the Osborne brothers, I think they're so yeah. fresh. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Maren Morris, man, she's so she's – if you sell that many records, you're no longer a country artist. You're a pop artist. Yeah. If you sell over a million records and nobody buys records anymore, right. you're a pop artist, you know, and her music is exciting. There, I'm going to – I love Midland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like retro 70s, Dude. but they're in 2018. It's so cool. It's so fresh. I love Thomas Rhett. I love what he yep. does. And Dude. there's shit out there. I I can go, oh. Yeah. Dude, and, I, I saw a picture of Midland before I ever heard him, and all I wanted to do was hear him after seeing that picture. Oh, yeah. It's like, Dude. <laughs> And I've been out there, I, like you said, I you know, took your publisher's uh, advice. Yep. I went on the road with, with the guys from Midland and with, with Red Akins, and we, we oh, yeah, spent man. a weekend writing songs. We're, we're going to get back together next week to cool. finish up these songs. And uh, Yeah, man, those guys are uh, living <laughs> their lives. 
And I love it. I love those guys because they're just – they can't help themselves. They're yeah. just who they are. It's that. so funny. And it's fresh music. And, and, oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's retro, but it's 2018, and, and I love that. It's so funny. When I uh, started working with Florida Georgia Line the first weekend, Amy said, now remember – you're not the 29-year-old rock star you used to think you are, you know. And so I got home after three days and just had a blast. She goes, how was it? And I said, honey, I can pour myself a Coke and sit down and just watch the tornado go on around me. And I don't have to do anything. It's so easy. It's so much fun. And they're such great guys. And that kind of thing, just getting involved with cats that are so much younger like that was a blast but like you're saying uh, oh shoot I lost it oh the big interview with Dan Rather that show on Access TV he was interviewing Marty Stewart right and you could tell he was kind of looking for him to stir the pot a little bit and he goes well Marty what do you think all this young country this you know boot country truck country whatever you want a bro country and Marty just said you know what anybody that knows me Knows I'm a classic country, Fender Telecaster twanging kind of guy, and it'd be pretty stupid of me to point at the guys that are selling out stadiums and tell them what they're doing wrong. <laughs> and there it is. And there it is. And, and it's true. Yeah. I mean, because they're doing their jobs. I yeah. mean, you know, the Florida Georgia Line guys. That's are, who they are. Are huge stars they're, yep. they're pop stars they're not really yeah country, absolutely except they claim country and country claims them but both of them are master monster songwriters absolutely they are master monster songwriters i would get in a room with them at any time a day whether they were just songwriters or their fgl yeah they have the goods they have Changed the language. Yeah, absolutely. And some people think they've changed it for the worse. Some people think they've changed it for the better. But they've had a deep impact on. Oh man, on our music, you know. Yeah. And so, that's a, yes, they they got my respect. Well, and I, I, you know, I also thought when I first went out there, I wasn't necessarily a fan, and after I was out there. I was a huge oh, fan. And yeah. I realized also, and I realized this back 20 years ago when I was working with Clint Black, there's not one person in this crowd that's here to see me. You know? and But 15,000 people singing along with every word every to word. Every, song. every song. Holy crap. It's, it's chilling, man. I mean, it's like... I don't know. It's like going to see a Beatles concert or something. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. it's just—it's crazy. It's probably the same response. I've yeah. never seen a Beatles concert, but I've been to FGL concerts. The audience is louder than the music. Oh man, and they rock. Yeah, hard. So, and I think getting back to songwriting, they have that quote unquote X factor. They are celebrities. They are stars. They yeah. project that energy. But they've written the songs, and they can sing those songs with authority. Yeah, it's uh, believable. I believe this song I'm singing, yep. and I'm telling you this because I believe it, and I believe that energy transfers to the audience, you yeah. know, and and they get that energy, and, and it's 
it's like circular breathing. <laughs> they give it to the audience. The audience gives it back to them. They give it to the audience. That's a great analogy. It goes yep. on. So, so it's, it's like Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more of Rashawn Roland Kirk, but yes, it could be like Kenny G. <laughs> the circular breathing. Uh, uh, all right. I want to ask you about two things that you did that I just love. One – it's no secret, Kix Brooks is one of your best friends in the world. True friends. True friends. I could call him at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, I'm in jail, and he'd say, too bad, and he'd hang out. <laughs> <laughs> what time do you get out? I'll send you an Uber. <laughs> Sorry about your bad luck. Click. No, he he's he's a friend, whether we were two plumbers or right. whatever. He's a great guy. You and he did a USO tour with Robin Williams. Yes. Can you remember any? I mean, uh, that's such a huge shoebox of memories right there. But Oh, it, it, that's a good way to put it, Bart. It is a shoebox of memories, and there's so many of them that the the there's certain ones that always come up. Yeah. But there's other ones that are in there that I hope. To unearth, you know, but it was, it was just amazing. Uh, Kicks had asked me to go do this USO tour with him, and we actually did two. Two years before that, we did one in Iraq. Mm. Uh, there was me and him and two acoustic guitars, and here we go, and Yahoo, and and uh, I mean, we were out there, you know, we were we were we were in Iraq. We go out to these forward operating bases called FOBs in the shit. And like they, Kevlar vests and helmets. Oh, yeah, Kevlar vests, helmets, mm, where you were there. And the next one we did was with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the, the head of the armed forces. Mm. And um, flew over on Air Force Two, and Robin Williams was there. Uh and it was just so fantastic. It was, and again, you know, we'd we'd play like mm. we had this whole thing worked out where we were with Kathleen Madigan and, and oh, Louis cool. Black were on oh, the, wow. on the bill, and so we had this whole thing worked out where uh, me and Kicks would go on and we'd do our dog and pony show and we'd sing songs and do our thing for the audience and then. Kathleen would come out, Lewis Black would come out, and then Robin would come out last. And mm. he would just Kill play it. constantly. And and we did the same thing on that. We After we did those big shows, we would go out on Black Hawk helicopters, strapped in with guys on either side with their M50s pointing down, and... Uh, we go out to the forward operating bases, especially in Afghanistan. It was mm. you really you don't know until you know. Yeah, you don't know what's there until you're there, and it was just like a moonscape where yeah. we were. You know, it wasn't sand; it was dust, and this dust was up to your boots, and it got in your pores. And you know, I take a shower three days later, and stuff was still coming out of my mm. skin. And these guys were living in it. Yeah. These army guys were living in it, and uh, and it was just a great honor to be able to do that. Uh, I'm so grateful for Kicks 
Yeah. So asked me. We actually named our band. We were called Brooks and Dunn Got Bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what? <laughs> Trying to make some sense of that bullshit. Uh, talking about being creative. Yeah. Okay. So we're out there, and we're stay, and we're in Dubai right now, and we're staying in a nice hotel after all this trekking. Uh-huh. And we did a we do we do a show for a big group of military personnel. And the next morning, I go down for breakfast, and there's Robin Williams sitting at a table by himself, like writing in a notebook. And I, I didn't want to yeah. uh, break his vibe. I just said, hey, good morning, Rob. And he goes, hey, how you doing? Welcome to sit down. And so I sat down. Yeah. And I just said, so uh, what are you writing? And he goes, well, I'm just making notes on last night's performance, you know, things that worked, things that didn't work. And I, I immediately think, this guy is the Picasso yeah. of – shoot from the hip comedy and he's making notes. Yeah. I mean, maybe I should, (laughs) maybe I should like really examine what I do a little more closely. I'm not that I'm not Robin Williams, you know, and, and, uh, it was, it really affected me. Yeah. But, and I'll tell you another thing about this trip because now it's, you may use or not use, but, one of the things we did was at the end of the trip, we flew to Germany to this hospital. Lonstuhl? Yes. I've been there. Well, then you know. Yeah, man. Where guys are right from the battlefield after being stabilized and yeah. brought in there, and they're just in pieces. Oh. And they're just the most horrendous wounds you can think of. And all we could do was go in there and try and lighten it up or brighten it up. Yeah. And I remember Robin going in to this one, and there's this this young black guy, must have been maybe 19, you know? Yeah. And uh, Robin just starts going, being manic Robin and just cracking people up. It hurts to laugh. Oh, man. (laughs) And he leaves the room. And this black and me and Kicks are in there, and this black guy goes, "I don't know who that is, <laughs> but he is one funny motherfucker." <laughs> um, Emmer Effer, <laughs> and I just went, "Oh man, that is so pure." Oh, dude, I don't know who he is, but he is funny, dude. And that's the best you can do. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. I was able to do a couple of USO tours, and over here, well, then you know, you you know. But I, I never got to go to the front where the – I mean, we did a lot, a lot, a lot, a ton of military bases and stuff. But over here where every tuna salad sandwich is politicized, once you get over there and you realize that – I mean, we flew over there, started talking to this lady who had two young kids and two pet carriers under her seat. And she said, yeah, we're moving to Germany from Seattle my husband's been over there already for a year. You go, holy cow, they're moving to a country where they don't know how to speak anything. They're also the spouse and children of a husband that's gone, so they got us. And you realize, 
I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. No. These are just people. These are what they call the boots on the ground, you know. And, and it's, uh, I mean, I'm always amazed at people that are either qualified or willing to do something that I'm not qualified or willing to do. And those cats, like you saw, man. And when you go to Launchdale and you see these young people, like you say, just in pieces, you just go, Jesus, thank you for my safety and my health. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's unbelievable. It is. And yes, you're right. I mean, there is no politics on the battlefield. <laughs> there is no po- There's no. the good guys and the bad guys, depending on who you think is bad. I'm just good. trying to shoot at the people right. that are I'm, shooting at me. <laughs> and I just, and because we just past Memorial Day, I heard a, a, a ex-military talking on TV, and they're saying, well, why are you there? Are you there to fight freedom? Are you there to, you know, uh, take over this country? And he goes, no, I'm there to protect the guy next to me. Mm. You know, the guy that's, yeah. that's in the same place I am, trying to stay alive, but trying yeah. to do his job. And I got and your that, back, and you got mine. Right. And you 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 see that when you're in it, yeah. You see that. That's awesome. One other thing I wanted to touch on was the Hitman of Music Row. Uh, I mean, you've had a freaking TV series. Oh my God, that was this. That was a beautiful mess. The beautiful. It was it was just an idea that we had one night. We had done a songwriter show and. With Craig Wiseman, Jeffrey Steele, our buddy Tony Mullins, and myself. And we were going, wouldn't it be great to have like a reality TV show of songwriters? At least we thought it was great. You know? <laughs> so we found uh, a producer in town who shared our vision or our insanity. And we proceeded to make The Hitmen of Music Rose, a weekly series of of so much fun watching the life of a songwriter yeah or lives of songwriters unfold you know and uh and we just had the best time you know and we produced it we financed it uh it was uh it's a blast it was a blast that's the bottom line about it it was a blast because i think it's so hard my my folks still say did you sell any songs today yeah and i go like i kept trying to say well actually like i i rent a song and i still get paid but i but i own that song oh okay i see so that's the only way i can get them to relate to so seeing you guys do that was really really cool especially for people that aren't in this town that don't know you guys just to get a glimpse into what that was was awesome man well thank you uh you know like you i've done a ton of songwriter shows and i've kind of made my peace with the folks that after the show after you've told stories about how you wrote the song people will come up and say why don't you do your own songs <laughs> After you've done a whole show, well, I wrote this for Tim McGraw and blah, 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 blah. And then I go, that, you're really good. Why don't you do your own songs? It's just people do not spend a lot of time thinking about that. They, yeah. they have their own lives, their own bags, their own problems, their own things. And when they listen to music, they just want it. They just want to consume yep. it. They don't want to think about it that much except for true diehard fans. So, yeah. you know. No, they don't think about the fact that 
Timmy <laughs> Brown might not write a song, or maybe no. Garth Brooks didn't exactly write that song, or there are other writers involved in the writing of that song, and it is what it is. But I think the public consciousness has been raised yeah. regarding the songwriter and his place in the music business. I think I, I the think so TV too. show Nashville raised awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Because it might not be exactly how it really truly is. Yeah. But it's close enough that you can get some sort of impression that there are these people yeah. who just come to town with nothing but their guitar and head full of dreams and nobody sent for me, but I'm here and here I go. And that's what you see in song, yeah. at songwriter shows. And we're going to sit on a couple of chairs and look at each other and try to make something up. That's it. That's awesome, man. Do you have time for my quick, my quick questionnaire? Sure. This is just top of your head. All right. What's your favorite book? Oh, man, favorite book. Oh, that's so hard because I read so much. Yeah. Uh I guess it would be the Bible. Yeah. That's a good one. What is your favorite food? Anything with red sauce on it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with a nice Italian red sauce on it. What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote? Yeah. If there is one. I can't ever remember. Laughter is the sound of fear leaving. Oh, man, that's awesome. I love that. Is that you? I don't remember. <laughs> I think I, I tell people it's me. Probably not. But it's, that's great. It's really hit me, and it's through my life it's proved to be true. Yeah. Hmm. What's your favorite memory? Oh, man. I know there's a million, 10 million. Meeting Leslie for the yeah. first time. That's a, My wife, Leslie. That's a good answer. That's a favorite memory of mine. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's a non-musical memory. Yes. <laughs> but you've made happy music together. Yes, we have. Yes. What's uh, what's the favorite song you wrote? Could be the biggest hit you wrote. Could be the favorite, like we were talking about, best thing you wrote, never got cut, no one's ever heard it, whatever. Oh, there's two of them. One of them is... Uh, Wait a minute. A song that me and Al Anderson wrote called Change is Gonna Do Me Good. Oh, yeah. That really spoke to where I was in that moment in my life. And it went on to be cut by a couple folks, including, to me, an icon, Etta James. Oh, man. So that's like yeah. a personal best. It's a great song. For me. And another one was uh, Deborah McClinton recorded and other people have recorded uh old weakness coming on strong oh man because that really it, it tells a really you at least i hope people feel the the tension that's in that song you know a guy just trying to do good but yeah. not doing it very well <laughs> you know and it's just got that once again, echoes of the Stones, the Keith Richards yep. kind of vibe in it, and that's one of my faves. 
And we all have our, our favorite weaknesses, man. Just, oh, man. you know, stuff. That'll take another week to talk about yeah. that. Is there anybody that you would still like to write with that you haven't written with? Because you've written with them all. Oh. Uh. Boy, that's a that is such a hard yeah. question. I mean, you know, speaking for my generation, you know, I'd love to write a song with Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, yeah. I'd like to write a song with Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, the closest I've come to writing with someone that was just my idol was Joe Walsh. Oh man, yeah. That Al Anderson and I wrote with Joe. Several years ago. That's a lot of guitar playing in that session, man. man. Holy cow, between you three. And what struck me, we were talking about guitar players. What struck me about that day was Joe comes in (laughs) with a Mexican Telecaster he just bought off the rack for this session. (laughs) Probably the cheapest Mexican Tele you can have. And and one of those little teeny amp, uh, I don't even know who makes them. You know, just a cube. Sure. A little cube. A little boss or roller. Yeah, or something. something like yeah. that. And he comes in, and he sets it up, turns it on, starts playing, and it's Joe Walsh. Right. It's you know who's playing. Yeah. His his voice and that guitar oh, is just man. so distinctive. And no, he didn't have any special gear, and no, he didn't have any secret sauce going on. It was in his hands. And he was making that kind of music that you just go, oh, it's Joe Walsh. Yeah. And uh, that really that was really something for me. Yeah. Because that's, that's just me. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, dude, no, that's not just you. That's, that's, my, yeah. uh, that's my favorite. Writing with Vince Gill. Was, oh, man. I lo- I, I'm able to write with him. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to write with a lot of people that are out there. Now. I'd like to write with the guys in the in the Osborne brothers. I've never written yeah. with them. I'd love to write with them. I love what they do. Uh, and on and on. Dude, one night Amy and I went to see Paul McCartney downtown, and we're sitting in the back, and all of a sudden they show a camera shot from Abe Laboreal's drums out into the crowd, and I'm going like, holy crap, there's Bob. <laughs> it's like, you were down front, both hands in your ears, just screaming, singing along with every song. Uh, I was like, ah, I freaking love that guy. That was, a, that was an amazing night because I got to present Paul McCartney uh, with uh, inducting him into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. Because he was in town. Yeah. So he called me and said, do you think Paul would like that? And I said, duh. Duh. He cut Junior's farm here. Yeah. He, was, he knows all about Nashville. Nashville's been influenced by him. So we went backstage, you know, and <laughs> and we got to meet Paul. And he's just a knucklehead, knucklehead like we are. Yeah. You know, he was fun. Likes to he laugh. Li- likes to laugh. <laughs> it, it was just it was like a small town parish priest getting to meet the pope <laughs> or maybe jesus i don't know you know i, I don't want to offend him right. 
Isn't it awesome though? It's like no matter how old we get or in success, just those times when you can still just be an unabashed fan like that is so much fun because I find myself after 30 years in this business, it's pretty easy for me to get jaded and Amy has to remind me how blessed I am and how lucky I've been. And that night to see you jumping up and down and screaming is like, see, that's that's the good stuff right there, man. Uh, I was I was that eighteen year old, sixteen year old kid that night. Yeah, you know, I was just and and as a writer, I really try to protect that. Yeah, sixteen, eighteen year old kid. Hmm. I, wanna, I always want to hold on to that sense of wonder and excitement. And, yeah. Uh, to me, it just feeds the inspiration that helps make a song yep. come into being. That's awesome. Last question. All right. If you weren't a writer, what would you be doing? Oh, man. I know it's impossible. It's impossible. I don't know. I wish I, wish I had an answer for that. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I really don't uh, because there's nothing else. I ever wanted to be. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll meet young writers and I'll tell them, I'll say, look, if you are making a choice, if you're in a place where you're going, should I be a songwriter or should I be a computer programmer or an accountant or a dentist? Do those things. Yep. Do not be a songwriter. Yep. You should be a songwriter because it's what you want more than anything because you have no... You have no uh, guarantee of anything. Yeah. No guarantee of success. If you get the success, it can be very, very short-lived. There's all that. You have to want to do this because you just can't see yourself doing anything else. And even then, you might not be successful. So, I I, honestly, I I can't answer that. I might – a short-order cook. How's that? (laughs) I think I could be a really good short order cook. <laughs> uh, you gave me probably the best advice of all time. I came in to write with you one day, and then I will get out of your hair. And uh, after about 15 minutes, you just put your guitar down and you just went, What's your freaking problem? And I went, Man, I get in the car and I'm driving in, and every song I hear, I, I hear it and I go, oh, so great why didn't i think of that or i hear i got 10 songs just like that and all of my songs are better than that one what the crap and i said i just kind of don't know what to do and you picked your guitar up and you just looked at me like i was the complete stupid dirt clod in the room and you went how about you write another song and i just went that's great that's perfect (laughs) and then we wrote a song just that easy gentlemen bob DePiro. Thank you so much. You've said it all, my friend. You've done it all. I'm so I'm thankful for you, man. I love, love you, buddy. Thank you, Bar. I love you back. Thanks for having me. Thinking and drinking. See you later. Bye-bye.